Prayer changes everything. everything. So what I really want you to see here is that all of these things 
skew our view of what love really is. And instinctively, we want to compare God's love and man's love, and we just can't do that because the love of man, even at its deepest, is still conditional and still flawed. And the love of God is perfect, and we'll never fully comprehend that until we see him in heaven. So I just, if you guys take nothing else, I want you to, to realize that God loves you. God's love for you is a 10, period. He loves you, and that's just the truth. So regardless of how you feel, regardless of what kind of day you're having, that's just something that we can't change. And nothing you can do can change his love for you. Because he loves you because of who he is, not because of anything you can do. So that said, I think that we all would like to experience that love a little more and be able to answer that question, does God love me, with a resounding yes. And believe that in our heart, not just in our head. So I'm going to propose three things that I think um, can stand in our way of experiencing God's love for us. So the first one, um, the question I want you to ask is, are you remembering? The second one is, are you too busy loving the world? And the third one is, are you unwilling to accept the hard things in life? So let's start with, are you remembering? So I have a definition up here. Remembering, recalling the past, especially the presence and the activity of God in the lives of his people throughout history and in your own lives today. So for me, when I started working through this, it was really powerful for me to just sit and remember. When can I remember God's presence in my life? Um, so I just want to share a little bit with you guys, kind of about my testimony and um, just looking back with me. So... Um, when I was five, my parents got divorced. Um, my dad was an alcoholic and very abusive. Um, so I lived with my mom and my sister, and we would go see my dad on the weekends. So most Fridays and Saturdays, he would take us to some local bar and we'd sit in the corner and eat peanuts and drink Coke. And, um, and he would drink and dance until he was finished. And then he would put us in the car and drive us back to his house. So um, you can imagine that our lives were put at risk more than once. Um, and I think most people in this situation swear that they'll never be like their parents, um, but inevitably that ends up happening a lot. So probably from my late teens to my early 20s, I coped with my own pain with drinking and partying and looking for approval from boys, um, and it was just kind of a mess. So long story short, um, when I was 26, I was unexpectedly um, and miraculously saved in a little church in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And God just got a hold of my heart and never let go. So um, I tell you that because I feel like when I look back at that story, it's so clear to me how much God loves me. Um, because by the world standards, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't have lived through a lot of those things. Um, I definitely should not have had the hearts of four children entrusted to me. Um, and... Just the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you guys is a miracle in itself. So I think that it's really powerful for us to look back at things like that. So I can look back and I can see the presence of God in my life and I can see his protection over me. Um, and I think that that's something that we all probably need to do more. So are you remembering? I want to look at the second definition for remembering. Remembering God's work in the past can lead to praise and rejoicing and hope for the future. So I tell that story not because, oh, that's sad. I mean, it is sad. But, but when I think about that, it gives me hope. I hope in God's love. And I hope in his plan for me. Because even when...
when things are dark, his plan still prevails. So I think that that's really important. So take a minute and just think about what are you remembering? So when you look back at your life, are there times that you can remember God's presence? Times that you can remember, wow, God was really protecting me in that moment. Um, maybe there's somebody that you can remember really loving you at a time when you were very unlovable. So try to remember some of those things. And guys, even if it's as simple as remembering that you were born to two Christian parents and you've always known Jesus, that's worth remembering. So are you remembering? Um, if you guys would, can you turn to Psalm 42 for me? Um, okay, so we're going to look at Psalm 42. Um, I want to kind of look what the Bible has to say about remembering. We're going to see here that David is in a really dark place. And I want to see how remembering kind of comes into play here. Everybody got it? Okay. So... Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So let's stop here for a second. So David is obviously breathing deeply. He can't even eat. He's so grieved. And he's suffering because of the way his enemies are treating him. They don't believe in his God. Okay? So that kind of sets the scene. So... Verse 4, these things I remember, so there's our word, as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. So he's remembering corporate worship. So he's remembering what it felt like to be at church, to be worshiping God. Okay. Um, why are you cast down? O oh, my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So David's remembering to put his hope in God and not in man. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. So David remembers God's love in the majesty of nature. And creation. Verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So we see here that David's remembering God's love, that God has never left him day or night, and it doesn't matter how he feels. That's just a fact. God has never left him. Verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So most importantly here, we see that David remembers hope. He remembers that his only hope is in God's salvation and the promise of eternal life. So what I want you to see here is that David is feeling really low, but David reminds himself of God's love. And I love in verse 9 where it says, and I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Because there's this tension there of David saying, you're my rock, I know who you are, but why have you forgotten me? 
And so I think the encouragement there is that it's okay to feel those same things at the same time, but we have to continue to counsel ourselves with the truth. And that's what you see David doing here is counseling himself with God's truth. So when we doubt God's love, we have to remember and look beyond our feelings. So are you remembering? Um, the second way that we may be limiting our ability to sense God's love is that we're too busy loving the world. So if you guys can turn to 1 John 2.15, right between 2 Peter and 2 John, back by Revelation. Okay, it says, Do not love this world or the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. John is telling us that we, if we love the world more than we love God, we will not fully experience that love of God. So we all, every single one of us is guilty of loving the world more than we love God every day in some way. We choose what's comfortable, we choose what's easy and pleasing, we look to approval of man instead of God. So I want you to come back to the scale here with the same question. Are you loving the world more than you're loving God? And again, this is just between you and God. So 10 being that you're living for God in all areas of your life. You're glorifying him with your time and your relationships and what you believe. And one being God who. Okay, so just think about that for a minute. Are you loving the world more than God? And another good way to determine this is just think about your schedule. Think about how you spend your time each day. Maybe look at your screen time or think about... Are there relationships in your life that you're seeking fulfillment from other than God? So if we're so captivated by these desires of our flesh, should we expect to sense this deep love of God? Probably not, right? But again, I want to remember you that your choices and how much you're loving the world or loving God still doesn't change the fact of God's love for you. Okay? But... When we're loving the world and we're seeking fulfillment from the world, God can feel very far away from us, and he can kind of feel like an afterthought. So instead of seeking the world, we need to think about where can we make sacrifices, where can we give up those comforts so that we can invest in our relationship with God. And it does take, take sacrifice to find time to be in the Word or to pray. And it might mean that you need to talk to more mature believers to find out how are they doing that. And what's their, what's their way of relating to God? Because here's the thing. If you don't have a relationship with someone, how are you going to know that they love you, right? So it's the same with God. So if you are not in relationship with God, it's going to be really hard for you to conceive of his deep love for you. So I would encourage you to be asking, are you clearing your signal to hear from God? Because there's so much noise in our world, and God will never leave us. But I just don't think he's going to yell over the noise. So are you too busy loving the world? Um, the last way that I think we may be missing God's complete love for us is that we're unwilling to accept the hard things in life. So Job probably, one could argue, suffered more than any man in history. And Job said, shall we accept the good from God and not the trouble? And if we're honest, how many of us have had the thought, if God loved me, this wouldn't be happening to me. And if God loved me, 
he would change my circumstances. If God loved me, he would heal me, right? I think we all have those thoughts. But here's the thing. God never promised that we wouldn't have trouble. In fact, in John 16, he promises we will. It says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So God can give us everything we want, answer every prayer the way we want it answered, but he chooses another way. He chooses the hard way and the way of the refiner. There's a quote that I love from Paul Tripp, and it says, God is fully committed to your holiness, not to your happiness. And I think this is a really good time to just take a minute because I feel like this is a big big point of confusion in the church today and there's a lot of messages telling us that God is interested more in our happiness than our holiness. So I think this is a really important point. So I guess the question at that, this point is how can we see God as a loving God if he's telling us that we're going to go through hard things? So I want you guys to take a second and think about when was a time that you had to do something hard or really scary? And then think about how that helped you grow when you look back at that. So maybe you failed a test, and maybe you can look back and say, wow, I really grew closer with my teacher or with a friend who helped me. Maybe you lost a game really bad, but you can look back and think, wow, the team really came together, and we encouraged each other, and our relationships grew because of that. And some of you have suffered really tragic losses, even just in the time that you've you've had on this earth and you know that's hard but I bet that you can see how God has grown you through that and if he hasn't already he's going to give you the opportunity to comfort other people because of what you've suffered through so let's look at what the Bible has to say about hard things so 2 Corinthians 3.18 says and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what this is saying is that the hard things in our life are transforming us at a deep spiritual level. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Suffering is expected, but so is God's grace. He's going to restore us, and he's going to strengthen us through those hard things. 1 John 3.2 Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. So one day, when we see Jesus face to face, we will be like him. That's what this is telling us. And I don't know about you guys, but the little bit of suffering that we face on earth seems like a really small price to pay to be just like Jesus. So God asks us to do the hard things because he did the hard things and because he loves us and he wants us to be like him. So God is fully committed to your holiness, not to your happiness. So let's look at a couple examples quickly of believers that accepted hard things in the Bible. So let's think about Jonah. 
Everybody knows the story of Jonah. God wanted to go to the city of Nineveh. The people were evil and awful, and Jonah just didn't want to go. So he refused. And when he refused, he ended up in the belly of a... Whale. Yes, okay. Um, and when he finally went begrudgingly to the city, with just a few very unremarkable words, every single person in that city was saved. God loved Jonah. And even in his stubbornness, he wanted Jonah to be more like him. And so he was patient. Um, another example is Mary. You guys are all teenagers, so just imagine that an angel comes, well, only the girls, and, and <laughs> an angel comes and says, you're going to wake up pregnant. Okay? And if we look at that time in history, that had great repercussions, because at that point, you're thinking of being disowned by your family, left by your fiancé, cast out. That's terrifying. And Mary in 138 says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your will. So Mary did the hard thing. So when, not if, you guys face the hard things, you may not always know what God's doing in the midst of those things or what it means, but we know that he has a purpose and we know that he's going to be with us because he promises that. So I want to read um, Psalm 23, and I know that you guys are all very familiar with this psalm, but I want you to maybe even just close your eyes and just listen to it with new ears based on what we're learning about the hard things. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Are you willing to do hard things? 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Even Jesus, God in flesh, was asked to do the hard thing. The hardest thing, really. So do you guys know that on the eve of Jesus' crucifixion, he knelt in the garden, literally sweating blood, and he prayed and said, take this cup from me. And what he was really saying was, I don't want to do this. I'm scared. And he asked the Father, take this from me. But quickly he accepted, saying, not my will, but yours be done, Father. So not even Jesus wanted to do the hard thing. But we have to want God's will more than we want our own. Jesus was arrested, falsely accused. He was spit on and he suffered and was mocked. He was stripped down naked and beat almost to death and ultimately was nailed to a splintered wooden cross. And he did this for love. He did this for you and he did this for me. God loves you. This is how we know what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us.